Hello, our texts are, uh, the text is from the second reading we had in Acts 16. Uh, I would like to remind you of verses 25 and 26 from there, if you'd like to refer. Uh, it says about midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I uh, spent some time uh, in the law enforcement business with the Coast Guard, and you know, some of you folks that are visiting with us will not have heard that probably, but uh, one of the things that I had to do occasionally was uh, move prisoners around. Um, it wasn't my favorite thing to do, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a, a lot of caution and care involved. But one of the things that um, that I, that happened is I, I had a guy working with me who had some experience in uh, in prison work. He had been a custody officer in a jail, uh, and he told me that that I should be careful not to appear to be too kind or too positive or too happy because the people that were, uh, we were watching would take advantage, because that was his experience. Um, I had some trouble with that because uh, it's not my nature to, you know, to go in a different direction from that. And I was always taught that if you arrest somebody, they're in your care and you're supposed to take care of them, protect them, you sort of have to because they can't. Uh, and and this, this little detail in Acts 16 really seals it for me, uh, and I would like to you know, relate that for you. Uh, when, uh, when this moment is occurring, Paul's on his second missionary journey he was with Silas, and they uh, had wandered into uh, Philippi, which is the name of the town they were in there, and uh, uh, apparently there was this woman that was following them around who... Uh, was uh, capable of, of speaking for the future. He was sort of acting like a prophet, and she worked for some guys and made them a lot of money. Uh, except Paul realized after she kept following him around and telling him all the things that he was and all that sort of thing, uh, people were very excited, and he realized that it was a demon that was doing that. Uh, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's, it's usually not a good thing to have a demon helping you. Uh, and, and I think Paul understood that well enough that they're kind of lousy witnesses and, uh, and they're not very helpful, so he cast out the demon. And in the end, what happened is uh, the guys that were making money on that got really, really mad and hauled him in front of a judge and they threw him in jail and they beat him up and Paul and Silas were locked up and that's where you see this text. Uh, the, the jailer, naturally, is responsible for keeping them in chains and there was some penalty involved. If, uh, if people got out of the jail, then they uh, held the jailer responsible, and it was rather a dire problem because they might well torture him to find out what mess up had happened or if he had some involvement in it or if he, you know, just to punish him because he let somebody out, that, that's all bad. Uh, so here we are with the jailer who's afraid and everybody in the jail and, and Paul and Silas are in there uh, and, and, um, and God broke in. <laughs> I don't know what else you could say about it, but God broke in. Uh, he opened the doors and released the chains, 
uh, other incidents like that, uh, angels show up and do this, and here we don't see that. It just says this stuff happened. Big earthquake, jails fall open, chains fall off. Uh, and, uh, and of course, when the jailer finds that, he's uh, a little upset because, well, I mean, what's a prisoner going to do? They're all going to run away, right? Except no. These guys were sitting in the prison, uh, enjoying themselves, singing hymns, and, um, well, he was... I don't know if that's more creepy or less creepy than if they had all run away, but uh, that's what was happening, and the, the, the jailer was very afraid, and he whips out his sword like he's going to be killed anyway and tortured, and he didn't want to do that, so he was going to kill himself, and they stopped him. So that's what you see here. Um, the thing that's very odd is in, in this particular case, uh, it's the jailer who was going to be severely punished, and, and, and Paul and Silas were free. Uh, uh, the, the whole circumstance is sort of backwards and upside down because Paul and Silas were free. Even when they were locked up and in chains, they knew they were free because they're citizens of heaven, and they were fine with God, and they, they didn't feel like they were in any real trouble because God was looking after them. And it was the jailer that was nervous, which is weird. But in the end, God had his effect, like he always does. Um, the guys that were in the jail, they looked like criminals. They were locked up like criminals. They were locked down like criminals. But they were the ones that were free to minister to the terrified jailer and, and all of the prisoners that were actual prisoners and probably criminals that were in the place. And, and in the end, the jailer and all his family, they're all taken care of. They come to faith. They get baptized. The whole thing is wonderful. But it's still, when God breaks in, everything sort of uh, changes perception and everything was kind of upside down. And that's where they're at. Now, I know... Uh, you probably don't walk around in this world thinking that you're prisoners. And, uh, well, some people probably are prisoners because they're in jail, and sometimes even they don't think they're prisoners. That's where they live, and that's where they are fine. I don't understand that either, but I, I think you all know what I mean. But you don't think you're prisoners. You don't think like that. The jailer probably didn't realize that he was a prisoner, even though, because he was the one that was supposed to be looking after prisoners, but that was the truth of things. But you all sin a lot. Um, you can't stop. You don't ever stop. There's nothing you can do about stopping. Uh, sometimes it's by accident. Sometimes it's in ignorance. Sometimes, well, uh, sometimes I would suppose if you look back along your past, you'll probably find a number of times when you sinned on purpose. Uh, which is, you know, it's horrible when you look at that, but you know it's true. And all of that is a death sentence, which you are bound to, because that's the curse of sin. The sin brings the wages of sin, that's death, and just because of those things, and so we're prisoners to that. In every sense of the word, when we walk in this world on our own. Uh, and you can't get out of the rest of it either, which is the condemnation that follows and the hellfire that follows and all of that. It's not different than criminals. It just seems like maybe it's not. But that's exactly what it is, except this is even worse because the criminality is before God. He's your God. 
He's the one that said, don't do this and do this, and you have messed that up, and you continue to mess that up, and there's not much you can do about it, at least not by yourself. Uh, I, I want you to I think about this. You know, sometimes we'll look at the Ten Commandments and say, well, I, I haven't really broken any of the Big Ten, but uh, I, you probably have heard from Pastor Rojas occasionally, you know, that's not necessarily right, but I'll just make one that maybe you haven't heard before more obvious. Whenever you sin, uh, that means that something that God said, uh, well, you found something in yourself or something around you that was more important than what God said to do or not to do. And that was, uh, for that moment, your God. And what ends up happening is the thing that was more important than what God said makes you an idolater. And lo and behold, you broke the first commandment every time you sin. You can't get past the first commandment. You didn't even need the rest of them. That one was enough. And every time you sin, the wages of sin stand, and the condemnation stands, that's life for a sinner. If you add that up, I don't know if you want to give any thought to how many sins that is, but it's kind of terrifying. Uh, you can't really pay the wages of sin except for the first one. After that, you're dead and you can't do anything about it. A condemnation is due, undeniable. Criminals before God, that's what we are. Prisoners to sin and condemnation. Now, I, I'm obviously going to change the tempo on that a little bit because that's kind of upsetting, but it's the truth. But yes, you are still in this corrupted body and life. That's where you are. Uh, yet you're, you're still in the world and you're not dead, which means God hasn't taken up the wages of sin on you yet. He has to have his reasons for that. And it's because God has broken in, which was where I started in this first place. Paul and Silas were in prison like criminals, but they were free when that all started before they got locked up because Christ came into the world to the prison of sin and death and condemnation and he, and he inflicted all of that punishment, all those wages, all of that everything on himself. That's why he came into the world. That's what the first advent is for. In Christ, whatever seems to be, however much prisoner you even feel sometimes, whatever kind of criminality you see in yourself before God, because Christ has broken in, you are free, forgiven. Completely, forever. Even in this world, as you still are and as you still sin, you are still free, forgiven. Even in your corruption of sin, you are free because you are forgiven, because you are a citizen of heaven, even as you are here. That is the truth. Christ broke into your prison and you are free. Paul and Silas didn't leave and didn't enslave their jailer. I got a noisy mic. Uh, maybe it's your mic. <laughs> See, every chance I get, I blame other people. Ah, that's, that's better. Okay. So just uh, as I was saying, you're forgiven.
Christ broke in, you're free. Paul and Silas didn't leave when they could have left because they were never prisoners. As far as they were concerned, Christ broke in and their jailer was the one who was enslaved and that's what they were worried about. That's why you're not gone. They brought Jesus to break his, uh, his own prisoner lines, that poor jailer who was suffering in fear. He, he comes into people's lives like your own and he sets them free, which is why you're free. And he's concerned about all those other people that you deal with in your lives daily to set them free. The advent that you have now is for that. The one that you have now with a living Savior, it anticipates a second advent with joy. Because he was here, and we're about to celebrate that too. Even as you anticipate his birth, his celebration, you wait for the second advent for the completion of all these things. And you anticipate that with joy and comfort. And I, I would imagine if you're anything like me, sometimes things feel so horribly messed up in your life that you look up at heaven and say, Jesus, come and get me out of here. That's your anticipation, hoping that you will be as safe in heaven as you are in his hands all the time that you can't necessarily see clearly. Anticipation. For God has broken into your life to forgive you and set you free, to help those living in this world of prison, of sin and death with you, because they're here with you to anticipate alongside with you and Jesus the freedom to come in that eternal life, that eternal glory, that eternal glory uh, with joy that you have waiting for you. We want them all to see that with us. Like Paul and Silas, you remain until God comes for you. Uh, he's coming uh, one of two ways for all of you. I don't know when he's coming. I wish I knew when he was coming, but I'd probably just get in trouble. So he didn't tell me. Uh, he didn't tell you either, did he? No. So we're stuck, same as you. But uh, ultimately... We wait for him to come. Now, either he will come and take us all with him while we're still here, or he will come later, and in the meantime, our bodies will pass away, and we will meet him face to face in our spirit for a time, and then eventually when he comes, we'll all be whole and perfect there with him. But in the meantime, we anticipate. We wait. We wait in freedom. You're still here, but you're not without purpose while you're here. As you walk with Jesus in that anticipation with that wonderful freedom that you have because you will never be condemned and you'll never experience the death that your body does because he will take you home. You will always have this joy. You can have it anytime you want it. All you need to do is consider what he's done for you. You live in Christ's promise, even still, all the time. And whether you notice it or not, the world sees I, I'm always very struck with this text uh, because everything seems so confusing. Uh, here we, you start, like so many things in scripture, with a notion that isn't quite true, where the, the, there are prisoners and they have a jailer, except that's not really the truth of things. 
It just looks like that to start with. And, and, uh, and it becomes brothers and sisters in joy in anticipation of Christ breaking in. I mean, you're here, but you're not here uh, for no reason whatsoever. You're here with that kindness in your heart, with the, the baptism that you, can, that you have uh, uh, for yourself, but also the baptism that you offer in your churches. And, and also you have the breaking of the bread, which is a part of your participation with Christ, anticipating his advent. Uh, all of that we receive with joy in Christ. Christ is broken in. And you are indeed free. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.